Welcome to Messy Life Podcast. You know, life is messy, but it's in our mess that we find our message. And just because your life is messy, it doesn't mean you're messed up. We want to open up our lives. We want to open up our mess. We want to open up what we've learned through really painful, dark journeys. And our hope on the other end of this podcast, on the other end of Messy Life, is that you would find courage and strength and laughter and joy in the midst of your journey, that you would know that you are not in this alone and that you are stronger than you ever thought you were. So let's get messy. Welcome to season two Messy Life Podcast here with Joel and Casey Johnson. Welcome. Thank you guys so much for tuning in on our season one podcast. What an incredible season it was. It was amazing. We had 10,000 downloads our first season. So <sighs> Amazing. Mind blowing. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for faithfully sharing and commenting and tuning in. What a fun journey. We had over 20 countries tune into our podcast Thank you guys for making season one a fun journey for us. We hope you learned a lot and we are so excited to kick off season two of Messy Life Podcast. But I got to tell everybody about something cool we're doing here in March 2020. On the 13th and 14th, Casey and I will be in the Cincinnati area leading a marriage conference. So if you're in the Cincinnati area... Come join us. You can register. All the information are in the show notes. So just go to joeljohnson.org slash podcast. This episode, you'll find out exactly where it is. You can register online. We hope to see you there. Cincinnati, baby. So come on out. If you're in the Cincinnati area, we'd love to have you jump to joeljohnson.org to get more information if you want to come. So today, we're starting off talking about how to discern and navigate a manipulative leader. Yeah, and um, I'm not going to lie, like this topic, I think when Joel was like, I think we need to talk about this. Well, part of the reason I I, want to talk about this is because I have run into so many people who have been like, what do I do in this situation? How how do I navigate this? Or what's going on here? Am I crazy? Is this a crazy situation? (laughs) And so when you, when you run into this time after time after time, I'm like, okay, we got to talk about this and provide some information. And I think it's more present now than ever before. And I felt a little uncomfortable talking about the topic. Um, I didn't want it to be perceived as like being shady or like talking down about anybody or anything like that. And so I wrestled through it. Like, to be honest with you, it was harder for me. But I think the light bulb moment for me of like God telling me, yeah, you need to talk about this is, you know, let's be honest. Anytime you've ever navigated through serving under a manipulative leader, Sometimes the damage that you go through takes years to heal from. I want to be whole. I know for me, like, I have been so committed to do my work and pull off the Band-Aid and investigate the wounds so that I can be a healthy leader. And on the other side of investigating these really deep wounds, I've become more healthy and whole. And I'm still walking that journey. I'm not there yet. But when you are whole and you are a whole leader, you reproduce whole leaders under you and whole and healthy people. The goal is health. 
And I love the church, man. I love healthy leadership. I believe in it wholeheartedly. And so when you want healthy leadership, when you want healthy people who represent Christ well, you got to talk about becoming healthy. And in order to talk about becoming healthy, you've got to talk about how to navigate unhealthy characteristics. And so our intention in talking about this today is health and wholeness. I don't want, listen, and Joel is right. Like we talk to people all the time who say, how do I heal from this? How do I navigate through this? We got to talk about it. We've got to help people because here's what happens, Joel, and everybody listening. Sometimes they walk away from church. They walk away from the Lord and they never come back. And and they walk the rest of their lives with a limp and it it reproduces in who they are and the marriages that they have and the parents that they are. And I don't want that for myself and I don't want that for anybody else. So if somebody can learn through my journey, I'm going to be an open book. So that's the intention of us talking about this today. We hope you learn and grow through it and become more healthy. No one's a target and we don't play the shame game. This is all about wholeness and healing. Yeah. So let me just tell you about the story. Um, <laughs> uh, about a year ago, I was in Singapore and I was uh, attending this amazing conference at this amazing church called Heart of God Church. I was staying with the most incredible individual. Many of you have heard him, Dr. Robbie Sanderegger. And we're staying in a flat with uh, several other individuals. And one day we're out in the kind of the living room common area. And he started to do this. And what does he do, Joel? What does Dr. Robbie... He's, he's a psychologist. A psychologist, that's And right. also uh, a speaker. Yeah. And, you know, he's He's at... really good, though. The psychology side of Dr. Robbie's incredible. Like what he does yeah. and what he teaches on. Just to give the listeners like... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he's based out of Australia. He he was uh, contracted by the government of Australia and um, to bring more mental health and all yeah. sorts of programs. Great advocate ran. for mental health. But he's health. also, you know, you'll see him at Hillsong Conference. You'll see him all over. He yeah. travels and has his own thing. Follow him on Instagram and social. He's, he's quite the character. <laughs> so Dr. Robbie said, hey, I want you to help me with something here. So we're sitting down at this table and uh, in the living room and... Uh, he was like, okay, Joel, I want you to pick a letter in the whole alphabet. Um, and so I picked the letter E, but I didn't tell him, and he didn't want to know what it was. And then he he said, okay, well, I want you to um, pick an animal that starts with that letter. So I picked an animal. And then he said to me... And don't oh, say it out loud, Yeah, right? don't say it out loud, <laughs> but inside of my mind, I, I picked it out. So he said, now I want you to put that animal on top of some sort of furniture. And so he's like, pick that. And he asked me a few more questions. And then he said, okay, Joel, are you imagining an elephant that is standing on top of a table? And I was like, how in the world did you do that? <laughs> like, like I was literally, he read my mind, but, and I, and I asked him, I said, how did you do that? You know? And he said, well, it's an old psychology trick. It's an old trick that actually I am leading you to pick these certain options and and then I'm able to discern that it's either going to be um, two or three different things, but I'm pretty sure that I've got like a 97% chance that I can guess it every single time. And in that moment, my mind was blown, but not only that, but I felt like it was this perfect illustration of how even though you can be incredibly intelligent, 
incredibly well-rounded. I've graduated from law school, so, you know, I've had honors or whatever. I feel like I'm an intelligent individual, but he totally led me down a road and I didn't even know where he was leading me. Yeah. And I feel like it's a perfect illustration of how manipulation works yeah. in our lives. You can be smart, you can be intelligent, totally. you can be all of those things. And not know that you're being manipulated. Yeah. He led you down a path for his desired outcome without you even oh, knowing it. it. Totally. <laughs> totally. And Dr. Robbie, if you're listening to this. We love uh, you. <laughs> we love you. And uh, thank you for giving me such a great illustration. Yeah, absolutely. So I was reading a blog post um, about manipulative leaders. It was a blog post that Donald Miller, he's a best-selling author, New York Times best-selling author. So he references Russ Hudson and Don Rizzo, who are Enneagram experts. And I'm paraphrasing them and saying this, but Rizzo and Hudson said, um, they explained that many manipulators and abusers were they themselves severely abused in their childhood. Wow. And oftentimes what that does is they, they develop defense mechanisms of self-protection. And so they can make themselves big, attempt to sound tough, intimidate others. Um, even al- They rarely even allow themselves to be vulnerable. They see no dissonance posing as the righteous hero, all the while lying, cheating, and deceiving to protect themselves and their empire. Wow. And I think that that is a huge point in identifying characteristics of a manipulative leader. Think about that. They make themselves sound big and attempt to sound tough to intimidate others. Think about that. Like, is this person elevating themselves and trying to sound tough to intimidate others? Rarely making themselves vulnerable, posing as the righteous hero, all the while they're lying, cheating, deceiving in an effort to protect themselves and their empire. You know, I don't know about you guys, but have you ever been in a meeting with someone and you're sitting across the table as they're (laughs) doing all of this? Like, maybe they did something wrong. Maybe they they did something. There's something that went on in the organization. There's something that happened. And instead of just owning it and saying, I'm sorry, or being honest about what happened, they spin this web of lies of self-protection. You know, they're spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning, lying, cheating, deceiving, trying to spin this web of lies to protect themselves or their empire. And I remember at times like just sitting back and thinking, do you honestly think people are going to believe this? Do you think that they are stupid enough to believe this web of lies that you're spinning all in hopes that you will fly center, smack in the center of this web? They're going to spin you up and eat you. You know what I mean? And like, sometimes I think they do this by, by what you just said. They don't. They find no dissonance between being the righteous hero. I'm this pastor or this leader or this whatever they are. To protect their empire. And they don't mind to cheat and spin this web of deception and they they don't feel like it's wrong. Yeah. And the hope that people will say, oh, well, you're a righteous, you know, how could you ever, okay, so we're going to go here with you with a normal person. You just be like, I'm not buying that. Yeah. Or they can, I think they can use the righteousness, their authority, their leadership of, of title to spin a web of lies and deceit with the intention of protecting themselves and their empire. Wow. All the while, I remember in my mind thinking, if you would just say you're sorry, yeah, just own your mistake and say you're sorry, but that would require vulnerability. Yes. That would require admission. I did something wrong and put you in a vulnerable state. 
So instead of just saying, I messed up and I shouldn't have done this and I'm going to humble myself and say, I'm sorry. Instead, a web of lies and deceit is spun to protect yourself and empire. All the while knowing what that really means is you're it stems from a place of abuse or, or severe hurt. Because you don't want to be hurt again. Again. You know what's so powerful about that? It reminds me of The Wizard of Oz. And, and we're talking about wholeness and really not just wholeness for those who serve under a leader, but actually the leader themselves. The Wizard of Oz, he like put himself behind this curtain. He projected this big image bigger than him. Yeah. But all the while, he was confining himself to a prison the size of the curtain that he was in. And so the mass that even these manipulative leaders create actually is their own prison. And so compassion would require us and wholeness and healing would require us to help our leaders as well. And our prayer is that manipulative leaders would also find the healing that they so desperately need. And I love the point in them saying this because we're all on a journey of healing and wholeness. And I think it's always important. I mean, because it's not just about how to survive a manipulative leader. It's also about how to protect yourself from being one. Oh, so good. And so I think that's such a great point of questioning your own intentions Mm -hmm. when you yourself are trying to protect yourself or protect your empire by spinning something through lies, through deceit. It doesn't always have to be big. It can be small. But when you yourself are having defense mechanisms for self-protection or protecting your empire, Mm -hmm. that's a great evaluation point for yourself to make sure where does this root from? Mm -hmm. And also I think part of being a healthy leader is addressing traumas that have happened to you in your past that may be producing unhealth in you as you lead others. Yeah, I think anyone who's experienced abuse, just like me, I, I was I experienced physical and emotional abuse as yeah. a child. And I would say there were times in my leadership, especially in my younger years, where yeah. manipulation, abuse, I'm sure I, I I'm sure I hurt a bunch of people yeah. as I was growing and learning to be a better leader. But what is helpful is when you begin to say, okay, I can identify some of these things and you can shed that skin over time to become a healthier and healthier individual. And I hope those leaders that if you're listening to this and you are hearing, wow, that, that fits me, that fits me, that maybe you'll go internal and discover some of the things that will help you to be a more healthy and whole leader for the future. Yeah. So we're going to talk about a couple of defined characteristics of a manipulative leader. And we're taking this from Donald Miller. So he's a New York Times bestselling author. He did a blog post and where he defined some characteristics. So yeah, we're going to go through world. these. Yeah, it was, was awesome. incredible. So we're going to go through these really quick and dissect them a tad. So the very first point uh, is never be truly vulnerable. A manipulative leader, they will never tell stories about their weaknesses. If they do, those stories will be about how they are too strong, too devout, too many other things that are more or less humble brags. (laughs) I love that. Humble brags. Like you'll get to the end of the point and you're like, was that really vulnerability? Because <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, they're 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 actually going to go there. They're going to be uh, introspective and they're going to learn something. But really, in the end, it just is a humble brag. Yeah. Here's another one. They always have the true answer 
and truth is truth because they said it. <laughs> so good, right? Yes. I, yeah, that is huge. Truth is truth because I said it, you know, because this is the way it's going to be. Um, drives me crazy. The truth in the Bible is complex, but a manipulative leader knows that they can't get you to submit if they don't have all the answers. Certainly trained pastors have answers, but nobody has all the answers except for manipulators. They want to tell you how to live. And that's the thing. Yeah. Control. If they aren't the answer, then they feel like they lose control because why would you keep coming back to them? Exactly. All right. Point number three, (laughs) they make you jump through hoops, more hoops than a circus lion. If you want to get married, remember, that was my, that was my addition. But remember who's the one jumping through the hoops, let on fire, the yes. lion. Like yes. be aware that, yo, I'm the one out here like a circus animal. Yeah. If you want to get married, you must go through hours of classes so they can approve. If you want to be a member, you must sign a contract or a statement of theological belief or a vow to submit to the leadership and attend all the services. Now, many wonderful churches do this sort of thing. And I think there's there's a lot of good things that can come out of yeah, discovering absolutely. about yourself. But when there is a manipulative leader or leaders you'll normally find an endless number of hurdles to jump over. They want to test you over and over to make sure you're being submissive. Joel, I think that's huge. Like, they want to test you over and over and over to make sure you're being submissive. Like, I will never forget being in an organization a long time ago where that term was used a lot. Like, we'll intentionally test somebody just to see how they respond. You know, I remember hearing that over and over again and something not setting right with me like, gosh, that sounds crazy. And I know God tests us. You know, he tests us as well. So I'm not saying that there's necessarily wrong in that, but I I did definitely feel like I never quite felt like I passed. You know, like I would totally. be Totally. You never pass. Tested over and over and over again. But it's okay to maybe test. Sure. But when the intention behind the test is to see if others are submissive or not. Yeah, that's a great point. That is the difference. It's okay to say, okay, well, we want to move this person into a higher uh, place of responsibility. So let's just see, okay, they have a good track record here, but let's just give them this opportunity and see how they do with it. Somewhat, something that isn't going to destroy everything. And if they handle that well, you're testing to try to bring them to a greater place of leadership or responsibility, not testing to see if they'll submit to you. Right. It's a huge difference It's there. a big difference. And I think too, we need to be careful. Sure, God tests us, but he's our father. He's not, you know what I mean? Like I think there, you have to be careful when a leader wants to play God in your life, I submit to God (laughs) and I submit to leaders as well. But I think you just have to be careful with that. You've got to make sure when you're testing people that that's not done in a manipulative manner. I think ultimately it leads to this, which is the next point. They'll never let you off the hook. A manipulative leader can never ever let you be fully free in Christ. There must always be something wrong with you or else you will no longer need them and will no longer have to submit. I think this is a really huge point. Have you ever been around someone who no matter what, they're going to find fault in that person? 
Totally. Like you can strive and do everything right. And no matter what, they're going to find the one area that you failed. And when you failed, you wear that like a scarlet letter that you can never get off of you. Yeah. It's called being critical, not being, not providing developmental feedback. It's being critical. Yeah, absolutely. The only way, and I love this, Miller recommends that if you found yourself in a setting with a manipulative leader, creating this kind of culture, he recommends that you should leave because the only way a manipulator stops manipulating is when the manipulation stops working. And Mm. by staying, you're saying to the manipulator that it's working. The most compassionate thing that you can do for yourself and for this scared, insecure manipulator is to leave. And wow. I love that he wow. says this. I think Mind this is blown. Yeah. This is really powerful. Don't try to fight them first. You'll lose every time. Trust me, you're not willing to stoop as low as they are willing to go. And here's the truth of it. Because when a leader experiences extreme trauma as a child, subconsciously, they feel like those people, just like they were attacked or abused when they were younger that they will feel that you are coming at them in that same attack and they will do anything to stop that from happening. Again, they'll lie, cheat, manipulate to, to save their empire. And themselves. And themselves. Mm-hmm. Because, it's a defense mechanism to protect. And that's why they will go so low is because for them, it's life or death, fight or flight reaction. You'll lose every time. You, you will, you will not change this person. Only Jesus and intense therapy can change them. (laughs) Like you, you just have to know that because I, I've been in environments where I felt certain ways or felt like certain things were wrong. And I tried really hard to have strong boundaries and protect and like, make sure I wasn't getting raked through the coals and, and all of those things at the end of the day, you will lose every time. Here, yeah, don't, don't get in the mud. Like George Bernard Shaw says, never wrestle with pigs. You both get dirty and the pig likes it, right? The pig so likes it. Don't, don't get in the mud with the pig. If anything, they love it. Like they'll want you to get down in the mud and wrestle with them. They will. They love it because they know, know you'll lose. And here's the other thing that it does. It strengthens inside of them so good. and it proves once again that people are out to get them. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not helping, you're not being compassionate towards that leader by trying to fight them. The most compassionate or be honest or speak, you know, speak truth or They see it as an attack. They, they see it. Mm-hmm. And so the most compassionate thing that you can do is to leave and to let them discover that their manipulation no longer works. And know this too. When you think about manipulation, it stems from a, a an intense place of abuse and trauma in your childhood. Girl, that is beyond what you can do to help. Yeah, like, that is above my pay grade. <laughs> that is above my expertise and my pay grade. <laughs> that is called intense therapy and Jesus. Like, I don't have a PhD in therapy and I ain't Jesus. So... At that point, you need to protect yourself and your own sanity. You know, listen, this is a system that Jesus stands in opposition to. He wants healing and health for his church, for his congregation, for his children, like for his kids. He wants us to be healthy and whole and healed. That's what he wants. And you know what else he wants? He wants health and healing for the manipulative leader. And again, like we said that- That's his child. And we said that in the beginning. We mean it now. Like the goal in talking about this is health. It's healing because ultimately Jesus wants us to be healthy and whole. He came so that we could be healed. Yeah, he stands against manipulative 
systems and things like this. Like if you need an example, just think about when he went into the temple and there was a system in that temple that was extortion and was price gouging. And Jesus was like, this is not okay. And he set himself against that system and that type of leadership. And know this too, God created a natural course of life to transition into greater and greater dimensions of living. Nature and living reflects what Christ does in us spiritually. So for an example of that is like a plant that's in a pot. Eventually, when you plant a plant in a pot, its roots are going to outgrow that system. And if you eventually want that plant that you've potted to expand, you've got to put it in larger and larger environments. And so as we heal and we grow and we expound, in, so in greater powerful. levels of becoming healthy and whole, Dang. our environment has to expand with us. And so we, as believers, have to constantly be aware of that. You know, another example of that, Joel, is it's like parenting, right? Your kid, when they're an infant and they're a newborn baby, we put them maybe in a bassinet beside our bed. Yeah. But eventually, we're going to transition them to their crib. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to grow and they're going to get bigger and they're going to outgrow that crib. And so maybe we're going to take the front of it off to begin to transition them to a toddler bed. And then we transition them to their big boy bed. You know, it's this natural representation of what Christ does in us as we mature, as we grow, as we begin to get more and more healthy. Your environment has to grow to support that health. So to remember way back when... When Lincoln, oh Lord, we we had bought him a big boy bed, but Lincoln didn't want to leave his crib. crib. It was like his comfort zone. I know, and his feet were sticking through <laughs> the rails at the end. You know, I thought that that boy's he, gonna break an ankle. Right. So he had a big boy bed right beside his toddler bed or his crib, and even to the point where we had to put the front of his crib back on. Because his crib was such a comfort zone for him. And it got to the point where I remember his legs would stick out of the bottom of his crib. And I remember thinking like, Joel, he's going to break his ankles. Like he would sleep with two legs sticking out of his the slats of his crib. But what a great analogy because when you've outgrown your environment, but you continue to stay in the environment that you've outgrown, damage is inevitable. So true. And that's what you have to be mindful of. Oh my is gosh. that... As you begin to get more healthy, ultimately, God's design and his desire is that you live in an environment that encourages that growth to expand. So as you're growing, your boundaries are growing. Your environment is expanding. And and that's not to say, oh my gosh, just because I've grown, I've outgrown this environment. Think about if you're planted in the ground. You know, maybe you're a grapevine. You're planted in the ground. Your roots continue to grow. The source of your expansion is the ground. Your roots continue to grow. Pruning happens, but pruning happens. Uh, It's your branches that are pruned. It's never the roots that are pruned. And so you have to evaluate what environment you're in. And is this environment a place where you can continue to grow and expand in health? Doesn't mean pruning doesn't happen. But you've got to discern the difference between pruning and when the environment is no longer an environment where your health can expand. Because when that environment begins to be restricted, damage is inevitable. And if you stay beyond that, that's when damage begins to happen. And sometimes it damages you so far that it's really hard to repair the damage. Not impossible, but hard. So Joel and I read this really great book, uh, probably one of my favorite books by Clay Scroggins. It's called How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. 
He is a campus pastor for Andy Stanley, and what an amazing opportunity and environment to learn in. And in this book, he kind of talks about when you start outgrowing your environment, and I think he gives... Or when it's really time to transition. Or when it's time to transition, absolutely. When it's time to transition. So he gives nine signs that we're going to kind of unpack that I think is really powerful. Yeah, the first sign that he gives is dreading going to work and you're miserable every day. That would definitely be a sign of, okay, this organization or this work environment, it's time to transition. And that's not to say that every one of these, oh, I dread going to work today, I need to leave my job. That's not what we're saying. I think it's just warning signs, and when these start to build up and add, it might be a sign that like you're outgrowing your environment. True. Number two, if your lack of passion has rendered you ineffective. Huge. It's really huge. Number three, if... The requirements of the position are hurting you or your family. That's huge. Like I think that can be hours that you're working, environments that you're working in. If it's beginning to take a toll on your home life, your family, your marriage, that's a big warning sign. And this is not necessarily like an evil thing. It may just be that you traveled almost all the time when you were single. And it was part of your job. You got married, it worked, but now you got five kids, it ain't working for you and your family. It may be a sign that, hey, this might be something I need to transition into something different. Yeah. Number four, if you're experiencing emotional stress due to your boss, I want to take a minute and unpack that a little bit because it's normal to feel a certain level of stress from your boss. Hello. You know what I mean? Like that's normal. Yeah, work is not always fun and pleasurable. It's not. But I think there's a difference between stress and emotional stress. Mm -hmm. And I think you've got to discern between the difference. Like I remember one boss that I had in particular, there was a difference between work and my personal life. And those two began to merge. When the the emotional stress, it wasn't just emotional stress for what I did at my my work environment. It was emotional stress in my personal life too, who I hung out with you know, the environments that I was in, that kind of thing that where it put an emotional stress on me. And I remember being at a point where I felt like I was going to have a panic attack when the phone number came up or the text message came through because I was afraid on the other end of what conversation it was going to be. That is emotional stress versus I feel stress and I feel pressure to accomplish a task. There's a difference between stress and emotional stress. And can you maybe just dig into that a little bit. I know I've had a boss who was trying to tell me, okay, you shouldn't hang out with those people. You're okay to hang out with those people. You shouldn't be following these people, but it's okay to follow these people. Why did you like this person's comment? And they, it was just people. It wasn't like I was endorsing, you know, um, medicinal marijuana and it was in, you know, direct contradiction to the church's organization or whatever. Can you dig into that or talk about Yeah. Yeah. I think that's huge. I think that was part of my emotional stress when I understand if I'm doing something in my private life that looks poorly or down on an organization. That wasn't the case. I felt emotional stress because I felt these people are my friends but I can't be their friends because they're no longer a part of this organization. So I have to break off a friendship because they no longer are a part of this organization. I felt stressed because I felt like if I was caught hanging out with them, 
I was going to get in severe trouble. I was going to be punished. I was going to be looked down on. If I liked somebody's post, if I followed somebody on Instagram that's left the organization, I was going to get in trouble. If I didn't say the right thing, I was going to get in trouble. If I didn't do the right thing, I was going to get in trouble. Just the dynamic of I felt like I was being watched all the time. And I was so fearful of the emotional fallout. And so to the point where when a text message came through or a phone call came through, I was fearful that the emotional repercussions, I was going to be in severe trouble. It was that level of emotional stress that I constantly felt because I want to be a person of honor and integrity. And I don't feel like it's right to say this about this person. I don't feel like it's right to treat them that way. I felt like my own personal integrity was being taken away from me. I've got to do what this person says because what they say is truth. This is the way I want it. So don't talk to this person. Yes, ma'am. That's a dictatorship. And it caused severe emotional stress for me where I was like, I love this person. They're my friend. But if I was hanging out with them, I was fearful of the emotional punishment I was going to get the next day when I came into the office. The blowback. The blowback. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had somehow failed a test because I wasn't loyal. Oh, wow. And if I can take a minute and talk about that. Please do. That was seen as being disloyal. So if I hung out with a person who no longer was a part of this organization or this, this leader did not like them, that was seen as being disloyal. And to be disloyal, I was going to be emotionally punished. Hmm. But anytime a leader feels as if they can demand trust, loyalty, or respect, you've got to know this. Trust, loyalty, and respect cannot be demanded. It can only be earned. Yes. And anytime me as a leader comes out and demands that you trust me, time out. Red flag. Red flag. And and I say that as a follower and I say that as a leader. That anytime if I, Casey, or you as a leader are demanding that somebody be loyal or trust you or show you respect, mm-hmm. call a timeout. That's a warning sign. Because those are not things that can ever be demanded. Those are things that are earned over so time. Good. As so you good. prove. And it doesn't mean your leaders are gonna be perfect. It doesn't mean I'm gonna be perfect. That's not what it means. You got to sh- extend grace. People are not perfect, but trust is earned over time. And also know this: there's a difference between respect and honor. I can honor you. That's great. That's a great. But that point. doesn't always mean that I've you've yet earned my respect. There's a difference. Respect is earned over time as I watch you prove yourself as a leader. I honor your position. I honor you as a leader. I honor you as a CEO. I honor you as a boss. I honor you as a pastor. I honor you as a director. I honor you. That doesn't mean you've earned respect yet. So be cautious anytime those characteristics are demanded. Trust, loyalty, and respect are earned, not demanded. And if you're experiencing emotional stress due to your boss, it's a warning sign. Super good. Number five, if you aren't receiving proper compensation, let me give you an example of that. If your responsibilities continue to expand and you are not compensated properly, for that, that is a warning sign that you might need to transition. Yeah. And that that is balance. Okay. Like, it's one thing to say, hey, would you mind to take this on? Hey, would you mind to do this? But when massive roles are being put on your plate, 
that would require them to hire an additional staff person, that's a red flag. I don't mind if you ask me, hey, would you mind to do this? That maybe requires an additional hour or two of my week or my month. That's one thing. But when you're taking an entire, somebody you would hire an additional staff person for and you expect me to do that for free, that's a warning sign that that's definitely not okay. First thing, if that happens to you, I would suggest saying this is a major responsibility. And of course, you want to use all the diplomacy you can. This is a major responsibility. How are we going to adjust my compensation for this extra responsibility? And if your boss says, well, that's not a part of it, maybe they're just frustrated and be like, oh, well, then then I'm not going to have you do that anyways. Like you're, you're not, you're not a part of the team here. You're not loyal. If they have that kind of reaction, that's a red flag Yeah. to say, mm. or if it's just an unspoken, like you don't do that here. Right. Red flag. And we kind of merged five and six together, but six was if your responsibilities continue to increase, but your pay doesn't, we covered that I one. I was overachieving on, on that <laughs> one. Uh, number seven, if you're unable to trust your boss because of unethical behavior, what Sweet. should you do, Casey? You need to go. Peace sign. Well, and I love that because I remember that there were times where there were blatant lies and I knew it was a blatant lie or I deemed things as as very unethical. Like, I cannot believe you're doing that right now. But loyalty, oh, you're loyal to me. You need to turn a blind eye. You've got to stand up for what you believe is right in the core of who you are. Don't compromise your own integrity and your own honor value system because you're loyal to someone. Like that's huge if you're unable to trust because of unethical behavior. Can I just kind of go back to something uh, Rudson, uh, Hudson and Rizzo, <laughs> I get Rudson and Rizzo. Uh, what they said um, in the article is that the abused leader oftentimes surrounds themselves with yes people. Yep. And they will, well, all the time, they'll surround themselves with yes people and they'll surround themselves with the masses and they serve as their kind of armor plating from never subconsciously never being abused again. They have to demand loyalty because that is their protection. They are looking to people to surround them and protect them, to turn a blind eye and not to ask questions. So good. And number eight, by the way, it's snowing outside. That's magical. (laughs) It's snowing outside in the middle of recording this podcast. Okay, number eight. It's a sign. It's a sign. Um, Number eight, if those around you agree that a new opportunity is too good to pass up. Have people in your life that are removed from this situation that can speak truth into what you're going through. That is a godsend because they're not in it every day. You're not tainting somebody's point of view. It was huge. Joel and I, when we were walking through some of these really difficult situations, had a lot of different voices in our lives that really helped remind me that I'm not crazy. Because sometimes, and sometimes they told me, no, Casey, you are crazy. (laughs) Um, Sometimes I do get crazy, but I think it's important to have voices of sanity in your life because I felt crazy. I felt like, is it me? There's Because a manipulative leader oftentimes will make you feel like it's you. Yeah, it's an elephant on the table. It's an elephant on the table. Like you are the problem. And so it's really important that you have voices that are outside of this situation that can speak sanity to you and speak truth when it's time to go. And And, number nine, last one. And the last one, God has clearly called you to leave. 
Do yep. you feel that? Those are all signs. Clay says, if you're experiencing two or three of these going on, it's a pretty clear sign that that's, it's time to transition. And sometimes you're in an environment where a simple conversation can help expand your pot. That you serve a leader where you can say, hey, I feel like I want to grow in this area. Can you help me? And a leader will come up and cover you and help you expand your pot. That, that's not an unhealthy environment. An unhealthy environment where you say, I want to grow. I want to be better. I want to do better. And they help you do that. That's awesome. Just remember when you're in an environment that restricts growth, abuse is inevitable. Make sure that you are in an emotionally healthy environment because if you're not, abuse is inevitable. And once you are in a place where there's abuse, it's very difficult to heal from that. Thank you guys for tuning in today. We hope that this was super helpful. We know that it's a more heavy topic. Like it's no fun to talk about this stuff. But it's a necessary topic. But it's a necessary topic. And so most importantly, man, let's be healthy leaders. Let's be healthy people so that we can make a difference. We can be all that God has called us to be. So if today's episode spoke to you and you're thinking right now, I totally need to share this with someone or, oh, this person needs to hear this. Would you just take a moment right now, click that little share button, the little box with the arrow sticking out of it (laughs) and just text it to someone, send it to somebody that it would help them to grow in health and wholeness. Thanks so much for tuning into our episode today. We hope that it was helpful for you. We hope that you walk away stronger, braver, more healthy, more whole doing your work. Thank you guys for rating, for reviewing, and for sharing. And remember, you can head over to joeljohnson.org slash podcast to get show notes, get more information, and to register for the Marriage Conference coming up in Cincinnati. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.